Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Obviously, we're all living through the same story right now. This is Chapter 8 in a temporary reformatting of the show. With the COVID-19 coronavirus having dramatically impacted our daily lives, I've been documenting what that looks like for members of this community. I'm now releasing shows twice a week instead of the usual once a week. And this is a moment where a lot of publications, a lot of podcasts, a lot of media outlets have been losing advertisers. So I'm particularly grateful for my sponsors. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo, which is owned and operated here in Amarillo by the Hawkins family. The store is currently closed, of course, due to COVID-19, but LazyBoy.com is still open for business. LazyBoy is offering free local contactless delivery on all orders of $999 or more through April 30th. And customers can still call the local store at 806-352-4600 for any questions or for any help with their online shopping. Of course, customers' health and safety are the family's top priority, and they look forward to providing full service again once the showroom reopens. That's LazyBoy.com, and the store number is 806-352-4600. Now, on to the show. Unlike other recent episodes, there are only two guests in this one. Jared Miller, who is the city manager for the city of Amarillo, and Joe Price, who operates in the same capacity for Canyon. Now, as administrators, both of these men have been intimately involved in the local response to the pandemic, which is one reason I wanted to hear their perspectives, especially as it relates to two communities, two cities in the same area, but which have very different sizes. So the release date for this episode is April 13th. These two interviews were recorded prior to that, so things may have changed by the time you listen. Here's the show. I'm Jared Miller. I'm the city manager for the city of Amarillo. Jared, thanks for being on the podcast. I, I really appreciate your time. I know this has been a busy time for you and, and everybody else at the city. Um, tell me what's the current status just, you know, from from your office as you try to manage all the different things that are happening right now. Well, we're managing a number in a number of different directions. One, we're working to communicate as much as possible, both internally and externally. Uh, externally, we're working with every different uh, business group and community group uh, that we can. Uh, specifically this week, we've had a number of conference calls with our uh, grocery store chains, our large uh, 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 box stores like Walmart and Sam's, uh, United, Fiesta, you know, et cetera, Walmart, uh, uh, neighborhood Walmarts, things like that. Uh, to go over with them security concerns and uh, just to have a good understanding of the measures they're taking to safeguard their customers because they are a high target. Target's the wrong word. They, everybody wants to, needs to get things from them. Everybody wants to do it safely. So what are they doing to help that? And I've been very impressed with the work that they're doing to facilitate shoppers, being able to come in, be educated, be constantly aware of social distancing and sanitation, things like that. And then, uh, make their purchase in as clean a way possible, you know, without touching the point of sale device, as li- you know, touching the point of sale device as little as possible, things like that. Okay. Uh, so I've been very impressed with that. We also spent some time on the phone with our uh, uh, home improvement stores. So 
Lowe's, Home Depot, Pride, Sutherland's, things like that, uh, because it, it appears that we've got almost more people wanting to go to those stores than to the grocery stores. Hmm. Reason for that, obviously, is because everyone's at home, time to do you know home improvement projects. Uh, it's also spring, so you got spring cleaning. You've got you know people taking care of their yards uh, after having them winterized. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on in homes. You know, building new fences, just things they can do now that they have a little bit of time to do those projects. So we wanted to spend time in particular with those stores to see what they were doing. And over the course of this week, and and in some cases last week, but in, in, in at least one or two cases as recently as the last few days, they started restricting the number of people in their stores to better manage that. Because what we were seeing last week was in certain areas of the store, there would be a lot of people there, even though for the rest of the store, you would have a good social distancing in some areas. People felt uncomfortable because there are so many people wanting to buy the products in that area. Uh, you know, whether it's flowers or uh, vegetables or, you know, building supplies, you know, whatever the, whatever the case was, uh, cleaning supplies, things like that. So uh, they as well have done an excellent job to reduce the total capacity of their stores while we're going through this period of, of, of max effort to social distance, to educate people, to make sure that everyone's doing everything they can to wear a mask and all these different uh, uh, things that, that the, Public Health Authority and uh, the CDC and the President are recommended. And you mentioned the, the external efforts. Tell me about some of the internal ways that you are communicating with city employees, trying to protect them, because there's so many essential services that need to continue. So what does that look like? Yeah, it's interesting. It's not like a blizzard or, uh, or a short-term emergency. Uh, so when you look at what is essential services in a municipality, it's the majority of the things that we do, quite frankly, uh, because the, the, the duration, uh, the sustained effort that we have to take uh, means that it's not just public works, it's not just sanitation, it's not just public safety, which is who you think of uh, when you think of an emergency uh, uh, and, you know, pushing snow in a blizzard or something like that, uh, responding to wrecks and all the different things that happen in those emergencies. Uh, with the duration, we have to bring in finance, we have to bring in purchasing, we have to bring in IT, uh, all the different internal services departments, you know, facilities maintenance, um, you know, things like that. So it's a large portion of the people that we have working fall into more of an essential category. Now, some of them can do their job from home. Some of our finance personnel have equipment that allows them to access our networks from home. and They can, they can do a lot of the things that they would do from the office at home. So in every situation where we can uh, successfully and effectively have someone accomplish their job at home, we're doing that. But there are a lot of jobs, like, uh, for example, parks maintenance. You know, we have, we have to keep mowing. Uh, we can't just let the parks go. People are still using them. Now, some of the parts of the parks we're not using, uh, but there's a huge number of essential employees. So we're working to make sure that all of those personnel have the personal protective equipment they need, have the modifications in how we do the job to enable them to do it safely, as safely as they possibly can. Uh, we Early on, we modified access to city facilities so that all of our business was being conducted online uh, or over the phone. And that was to uh, protect both the public and our employees in situations like utility billing where we have a, a high level of face-to-face -face input and contact. Same with planning and development where we're always working with uh, builders and contractors and other people to get their permits and things like that. Uh, so through building safety, fire marshal's office, uh, and a number of other departments where we have face-to-face -face contact, we, we reduced that or eliminated it. We've worked with police and fire to modify how they do things. We have a Fox truck out of the fire department that responds to all of the COVID-related calls, and we're averaging about six to eight calls a day. 
where that fire truck is working in tandem with an, with an ambulance to go and respond to those calls. Sometimes they're waved off. Uh, the majority of the time, though, they, they actually follow through with providing assistance to a citizen who is uh, in distress uh, with a COVID-related or potential COVID-positive uh, uh, situation. So we work, we're working with them that way. But we're minimizing the number of fire personnel and EMS personnel that are doing that, and we're equipping that group with a higher level of PPE than what your typical firefighter uh, or ambulance person would, would be using. We're also working with our sanitation crews to make sure that we're sanitizing their trucks on a regular basis, providing them uh, additional masks and gloves and the hand gel uh, to make sure that we're enabling them to sanitize their hands on a real frequent basis. Uh, we're also cleaning the inside of the trucks on a regular basis, and we have a dedicated crew uh, that is, uh, I believe we've gone live with that this week, that is cleaning out the backs of the trucks so that the drivers are not having to get back there, but it's a crew that is all they're doing is cleaning out the back of the trucks uh, so that uh, if we do have any, any, any trash or anything like that that would be uh, have been touched by a person who's positive, uh, that we have people who have the appropriate PPE for uh, cleaning out the back of that truck. Um, we're working with uh, our police officers, and they're modifying how they're doing things. They've significantly reduced their face-to-face contact. For all uh, property crimes and non-emergency calls, they're handling those over the phone or on online, uh, but they're still responding to high priority violent crimes, uh, personal crimes, um, you know, things like that. They're responding to those in person. We have had a couple of interactions where police officers had have had to chase down someone, and then they interacted with them. And it turns out uh, they don't know if that person was positive or not, so they've had to uh, quarantine while we waited for test results from that person and from those officers. Uh, so that's had a little bit of a, a drain on a staffing availability. Uh, but we've been managing that pretty well, too, it seems like. Uh, so we've had to make adjustments in everything we do. Even in the administrative offices, we're making sure to try and keep at least 10 feet uh, uh, distance between everyone. We're wearing masks when we're in group meetings. We're taking advantage of Zoom and other virtual meetings uh, uh, extensively. Uh, really, you know, even this call, I'm surprised we're not on a Zoom or something like that. It's become such a, a valuable and vital tool uh, whether you're talking about Zoom or Microsoft Teams or you know a variety of other tools and platforms that we're taking advantage of. Uh, so it's affected every single aspect of what we do. What has been your perspective just in the response of the citizens of Amarillo to some of the guidelines that the city has given out? I mean, do you feel uh, as if you know the, the residents here are taking it seriously enough? You know, I really think there's been a big transition over the last week as to how seriously people are taking it. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a part of your population that takes it serious from the very start. Uh, and, and they've been isolating. Uh, my mother-in-law falls in the category of just she's so responsible. Anytime someone says, hey, you need to do this, she does it, and then she figures out ways to do it better. Um, there's people that were slow to buy in, and then there are people that were extremely reluctant to buy in. You know, this is all fake. It's not, this is made up. It's, you know, uh, you can say, for whatever reason, you know, China's doing this to us, you know, all these different things. But I think everybody, I'm not aware of anybody at this point that's not taking this very, very seriously. Now, there's some people that say, hey, I think you're stepping on my liberties, but at the same time, I want to be safe. So even those who think, uh, uh, who are very cautious about how far the government goes to, to safeguard them, I think they even are taking it seriously as far as the real threat and risk to their uh, uh, welfare if they don't take it serious, if they don't take appropriate measures to social distance and and uh, be responsible when they're out and about. In a nutshell, 
to, 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 to summarize, I think our community now is taking it very seriously. It's doing a great job. Our stores are doing a great job. I, in fact, I, I got a report uh, while I was at lunch today uh, that one of our businesses, Sewing World, uh, w- was just doing an outstanding job. And they were, the person that called me was just, she felt so safe uh, in there because of the measures they'd taken to protect their customers and their employees that on the way home from back to the office from lunch, I uh, stopped in and I just said, hey, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm Jared Miller, I'm the city manager. I just want to let you know just how proud I am of, of what you're doing, how, how grateful I am of how serious you're taking this and the level of comfort that you're giving your customers uh, makes me feel good. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to stop in and tell them thank you. I wish I could tell all of our businesses that are taking those extraordinary steps that, that obviously have to have an impact on their business, a negative impact on their business. Uh, but the steps they're taking to keep our, our, our citizens safe is, is truly admirable. From a, a little bit more personal perspective, Jared, you know, you've, you've been in this position for the city of Amarillo for three years. You were in San Marcos for several years before that. Is, is this the most challenging period of city government that you've had to deal with at this point? You know, when we were in, in San Marcos, we had a flood uh, that uh, it killed 12 people. Uh, yeah, and most of those deceased were, were from far upriver, about 40 miles upriver. But we, they, they, we, were where those uh, victims were found was in my city. We, mm. our entire city was almost the entire city was underwater, massive recovery effort. It really hit some of our most low income areas of town, uh, which were in floodplains and things like that. So that was a very challenging management effort uh, and very difficult on our team. And they responded just amazing. But the difference is the primary difference is the sustained nature of this effort uh, we've got departments, especially public health and, and, and some of our other departments, uh, that are assisting public health very directly. Uh, they haven't had a day off for, for, we're going on four weeks now. So the sustained, sustained, uh, nature of this effort is unique and completely different than any other emergency. I would say that, that any state or federal agency has ever experienced before. So I think that's the unique thing. I don't think, I wouldn't say it's harder. It's just the, uh, non-stop, never get a break. Uh, uh, aspect of it can be challenging on both the citizens, and, but but especially on the team that's uh, providing services and assisting citizens uh, as we go through this. So I think it is unique with regard to the duration and the sustained effort that has to be maintained uh, to be able to provide services. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily harder, except for the fact that it's just longer, you know, far far longer. I've been deployed to war zones in the in the uh, uh, the, the the pressure of military operations, the, the nonstop of military operations, this is very similar to that. So there's, there's no time off. You know? So I think that is the unique characteristic of this event versus anything else that maybe the city of Amarillo has ever experienced. Okay, my last question. I, I like to ask my guests, what is one thing that's bringing you hope? So tell me about something you've seen maybe in the effort from your your staff, uh, the response of the city, but what's one thing that's that's giving you some optimism as you look at this situation? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is how creative every single part of our community is getting. Uh, now that everyone's kind of bought in, uh, we're seeing our stores come up with extremely creative ways to still provide those essential services, but allow people to have a far higher sense of safety than when we first stepped into this event. Uh, we're learning as we go. We're literally writing the book from businesses figuring out how to continue operations to municipalities writing continuation of operation policies that address global pandemic. It really didn't exist uh, in, in almost any city that you look at. They've, they've put together new policies within the last month. 
uh, and we're no different. We've done it too. Uh, so it's forced us to think outside the box, to get creative, to get innovative uh, in a very aggressive time frame, to come up with workable, real uh, solutions that will make a positive difference for our team or for our community. Uh, the same is true with our citizens. Uh, you see people wearing masks more now based on the recommendations of the president, CDC, the governor, and, and our public health authority here in Amarillo. Um, they, you see citizens spending all of their time at home making masks. I'm holding a mask in my hand right now, and I've said my mother-in-law a couple times because I'm just so impressed with what she's done, but she's part of a group of, of ladies, and all they're doing with using their own money and their own resources to buy material and elastic and other things is making masks, and they're giving them to businesses so that those businesses can, can uh, be able to uh, uh, just have the masks. Um, you know, I can go on. I talked about going to that one business and, and telling them, thank you. I've, I've seen that place after place after place, people t- going out of their way and taking extraordinary steps to be able to enable people to feel safe while they're in their business. So I think that the thing that's most encouraging to me and that I'm most impressed with from a personal standpoint is how every single direction you look, people are taking creative steps to improve their sphere of influence. Uh, and, and it's not just the mayor or the city or, or the county judges or the people that, that obviously have a, a large reach and a large audience. It's people who are ministers saying, how can I help people's lives while keeping them safe? It's people out of their own homes. It's small businesses. It's big businesses. It's, it's every part of our, our community has really stepped up in a way that uh, I think is pretty visible and pretty impressive. All right. Jared Miller, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. My name is uh, Joe Price, and I'm the, uh, I'm the new city manager for the city of Canyon. And I've been there about a little over six months. Okay, six months. So, um, you know, welcome to a big challenge in the first six months of your job in Canyon. <laughs> thank you, Jason. <laughs> it's definitely... It's definitely one they don't teach in the school books when we're in college. I can say that. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's probably not a, a class that you go through to prepare for a worldwide pandemic in the city's response. <laughs> no, well, tell no me, not at all. Tell me about just some of the, the ways that I, I guess Canyon is navigating through this current moment. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people in the governments of Amarillo, and I know that it's a little bit different in a, a smaller town, a smaller population. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like right now. Sure. Uh, obviously, Canyon's a little bit smaller of a ship than Amarillo. Um, we've got our population is about a little over 15,000. Um, I've got 100 staff members, um, which does not include a public information officer. I don't have a PIO, which I'll get into that. Um, but it's been, it's been interesting. We've really worked hand in hand with Amarillo. Um, the uh, city of Amarillo has included us in a lot of things, uh, uh, along the way. And we've tried to have a united approach and, uh, and I give that to the leadership of, of Ginger Nelson. She's really, really tried to be strong with holding the two cities and the two counties together. And, you know, we've, we've been at a lot of the early press conferences with them. You know, we may not have been on on the screen, but we were standing there, um, unified with, with our counterpart in Amarillo. <clears throat> um, in, in that, you know, we've, we've done a lot of the same things in terms of the big picture. Um, but from Canyon stance, we have really had to adjust and make, make some changes along the way. I, we shut city hall down just like Amarillo. So a lot of our staff is working 
is uh, working from home. I, I'm literally myself and the assistant city manager are answering the phone for the city manager's office. Okay. Um, I've I've moved uh, some of the librarians have reshifted their roles um, since the library's closed. They're working on some of their programs, but I moved one of them over there that to help me do PIO duties to alleviate that because I was handling that as a city manager uh, myself a lot of that, which came a little bit overwhelming. And so I've shifted some some directives from other staff to help with things. Uh, we've uh, we've done our own incident management team, and we've teamed up with Randall County and the sheriff's office on that. And so a lot of that goes into tracking supplies, what we have, our needs. If a certain departments need something, we have a one-stop shop and a constant line of communication. So I've got several staff directors and other staff members assigned to roles in addition to their job. So, for example, uh, my public works director, Dan Reese, is helping do procurement. If so, if say we needed more hand sanitizer, uh, someone would put a request in in our departments, and then he would check with everybody else to see if they need anything, and then he would he would seek that out. <clears throat> My parks director has been assigned to inventory, so he's the one they're working close together of how much hand sanitizer we have now, how many masks in in thirty five masks we have, you know, all that stuff. And so and then I have the HR director and the finance director working together to track our staff time related to the disaster. They're working hand-to-hand with timesheets and such such forth. Uh, police departments working, helping do snack pack. They're also helping do the uh, meals that the school are providing the kids and doing those PODs, the, those, I'm trying to remember, those deployment areas where they're dropping the meals off. So ultimately, the, the city staff here, has really embraced the incident management team structure. It's actually been quite—I don't know if I go to miraculous, but it's been extremely inspiring. Okay. Because we don't have an emergency management coordinator. We have—we use uh, Amarillo, and so obviously we're both affected by this disaster. So we just—we just bound together and set up our own team to do what we need to do. And my incident management commander is my interim fire chief. So I had. I had an interim fire chief and an interim police chief during all this so far. So wow, that's a little insight on how the the team construction and the team family has gone in Canyon. You know, we we just got to work with do more with less. You know, it, and and I know there's a lot of sharing of resources with Amarillo, but before we talk about that, is is your approach where you are reassigning staff members, where you're trying to fill gaps, where some people are, are pulling double duty? Is that pretty common? You know, for a, a small town in Texas, you know, maybe where you've you've got a staff of 100 that's serving a city of 10 or 15,000. Is that something that other smaller towns are doing? I would think so. You know, a lot of towns that have that are smaller than us, uh, they, uh, you know, maybe the city secretary, she might she might do city secretary duties. She might do municipal court clerk duties. She would do anything on on a normal side. But especially when it comes to a disaster like this. Um, we've got to take the divide and conquer approach and be unified as much as possible. And the unified structure is, you know, the commander who was not me, and I want to make sure to point that out. I'm not, I'm not the one leading that effort. And uh, he's making sure those tasks are getting done. So we went out early and got those tasks done. And so those tasks were assigned and those people are working on it. And there's a one-stop shop. And so that's, that's really how it is that divide and conquer structure. And that's, 
other towns do that every single day. Well, you, you mentioned how, you know, some of Amarillo's response and, and communication had been coordinated, you know, with, with Canyon and with your office. And I know that Canyon falls under um, Amarillo's public health authority. So how much are you relying on some of that research, some of that decision making? Does, does that impact what decisions you make or, or is Amarillo and Canyon kind of making their own decisions? How much of the overlap uh, is there? Well, I think, you know, one of the things, you know, this during these times of disaster is where the, when we're in a ma- uh, manager uh, council form of government in Canyon, just like Amarillo is. And so in this time, this is where the mayor has most of their authority. And so the mayor has the authority over the city manager in a lot of ways. And so the mayor and I, and, and we've included the mayor pro tem, we've really unified and just kept the other commissioners in the loop as much as possible. But we really taught, took to the stance of relying on the expertise of Dr. Scott Milton. He, you know, he is a medical doctor. None of us are. And so we've got to rely on his expertise during these times to guide us. And, and Amarillo took the same approach. And so I think that was a big piece of it to us is just following his, his wisdom and guidance through this and what we need to do to, to articulate that. Obviously, our the way we handle certain things in, in, in Canyon, it's it's easier to steer because the ship's smaller, and we're able to be a little more proactive. And so we were able to do some things on our own. But at the high level end, we're on the same page. You know, we moved to red at the same time, we moved to orange at the same time. Um, but we've really relied on our expertise there in Amarillo Public Health to help guide our local decisions on that. Um, but where we differ from Amarillo. Um, for example, we've, we've done our public communications a little bit different. Uh, we started two and a half weeks ago calling and visiting with the grocery stores here in Canyon, as well as the hardware stores. We just try to get on the same page with everybody and communicate, 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 communicate as much as possible. I even made my own self, uh, went around and went to each store, some of the major stores that would have more congestion. I personally went to several of those a couple of weeks ago and I'm talking to the Walmart store manager here in town at least once, maybe twice a week. I'm talking to the superintendent once or twice a week. I'm talking to West Texas A&M once or twice a week. So we're, we set early on that we really wanted to have that partnership with our local folks here in town and the mayor and mayor pro team and I have, have just done that. And I don't know if Amarillo's done that quite to our extent, but that's, that's the way we feel that Canyon should lead in our own, in our own way. Tell me about the response of Canyon residents. I mean, just having been out in the community, talking to people, going to the grocery stores, I mean, are, are you seeing a willingness to follow the recommended guidelines? Yes, uh, I really, ha- we have been very grateful for how proactive our Canyon citizens have been. We we were a little hesitant at, at the first to move to red because they had, we felt as a staff and as the city leadership that our Canyon folks had really gone above and beyond to, uh, to do the social distancing and, and do all that. So we, we really, when we were making the jump to red, really thought about not doing that at that time. But we decided after talking to Dr. Scott Milton, he was kind of the one that said, you, it really, we really should do this. And he was the one we listened to, but and it was because of that, Jason, is they were, they were doing so well. For example, uh, we own the golf course here in town. We were only allowing one 
person per golf cart. We rely selling everything down, you know, just making things as smooth as possible and not interrupting life like it is. But everybody was doing their part. You saw it when you went to the grocery store, you saw it when you were going around town. It, it was really refreshing to see that. I know that Canyon, you know, like like many smaller towns in the Texas panhandle, has a, a, a very much a rural component. I mean, it's you've got a lot of people who are part of the Canyon um, community, but you know, maybe live two or three miles out of town. Is is it is it a struggle to communicate the same restrictions within the city limits as you know to the people who maybe live outside town and come into town every weekend? I, you know, I think you know we've taken the approach to to do this best we can on communication. Um, I wish we could do more, but we're doing with what we have. You know, it it really hurt not having a public communications division at the city. And you know, it was one thing we we're actually looking at when I came on because uh, I I'm a strong believer in internal and external communications, but we just weren't there. Um, but we have been trying to be consistent as much as possible on communicating and, and sending those out. And our, and our main page of that is the Facebook. And, you know, we have, we received letters about things from outside of outsiders. Yes. You know, we've received some letters and that sort, but you know, I felt that we've done pretty good communicating as much as we can to those on the outside of town. A lot of the decision-making that people see, you know, maybe that residents see is, is very external. You know, it's about how people behave. It's about some of the restrictions on businesses. What's something maybe that that Canyon residents or Amarillo residents don't see, you know, that, that you and your team are having to think about and, and make decisions on? Well, the hard part at the end of the day is you're, you're messing with certain aspects of what we're used to in social behaviors. That also has a major impact on small businesses, um, we we don't we don't take it very light that that we had to make this decision. Um, I know personally it doesn't give me warm fuzzy feelings having to make these decisions, but from the inside looking out, you know, unfortunately, it's to slow the spread, to flatten the curve, to to not overwhelm our hospitals. Right now, we've got five positives at this current current day of uh, I think today's the eleventh. We have five positives. I know at least two of those are, are hospitalized. And so anything we can do to help minimize that, we, we should really try to. You know, we're used to being friendly and hugging people, and unfortunately we can't do that. Um, the commissioners have, you know, still want to meet in person. We have enough room at the city city hall and the commission chambers to distance everybody six feet. Um, but, you know, the hard thing on the inside on these decisions is, you know, Besides the health aspect is the economic aspect, which is on the very forefront of our minds, to limit that as much as possible. We're visiting with our Canyon EDC to see if there's anything we can set up to help with our small businesses. You know, they're they're the lifeblood of our community. People come to town for some of these specialty boutiques we got in town. Palace Coffee originated here. Joe Taco has been doing great. You know, we've we've had a lot of these businesses that are really being impacted. And at the end of the day, you know, looking in, if we can have these businesses break even or get close to that, I think I think that's kind of what we hope hope for. Obviously, the realist aside, it just there is a reality with this. Um, you know, 
and we're already starting to talk communications. The mayor and I and the mayor pro team and I are already starting to talk about what it looks like when we come back from this shelter order, the stay at home order, you know, we're, we're ready to, to start laying the plan work down to, you know, drawing that back in and not having as much as restrictions. And what does that look like? Yeah. Joe, the, the last question I wanted to ask, and this is something I've been asking all of my guests is what is one thing that's giving you hope right now? I mean, as you've seen the community respond, as you've seen your, uh, your staff, you know, start to take on other duties. What what's something that maybe is making you optimistic about the future? You know, some of the things that I think makes me optimistic is the city commission's leadership through all this. The mayor, the mayor has been outstanding. You know, one of the things that really inspired me through this, uh, we had a Facebook Live um, that he and I did together to just kind of answer some people's questions. You know, have that soft approach, have that, you know, people want to know how this affects them. You know, can this, can this business be open? Can this business not be open? You know, and just answering those when he, when he got on there to, to talk about that with people that, that had been, that was the best speech I have seen him give today. And I know it inspired me watching it afterwards again and just watching him film it, but their leadership and their guidance through this and the way they've, the staff and the city and the city commission has has guided this you know those decisions that are critical you know they they weigh on the heavily on the heart and just seeing that and how much this means to them and how delicate they want to be it's inspiring in itself because they they take they take great pride in the decisions they make but they also understand there's always consequences and they take those as well and within Shrine to know that there's possibilities of this not being great, you know, businesses going under and never coming back. And, you know, those those moments are, in my mind, what define character. And I, I, I find our city commission, our city staff, that they're able to rally and come together and join hand in hand through this. That's is what inspires me. And that's also trickled down to our community. That, that enthusiasm, hey, we're going to get through this, we're going to do, we're going to move on from this, we're going to look back on this in time and just laugh to know that we did it and we did it together. And so that enthusiasm is what inspires me and I hope that we'll get through this and you know what, we'll be better for it. Joe Price, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it very much. And that concludes the episode. First, I want to say thanks to Jared and Joe, both of whom have been very busy but made themselves available for an interview. And to Angelina Marie for editing this podcast week in and week out, twice a week now. Thank you for listening. Thanks especially to all of those who support this show financially and help keep it free every week through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. At the top of that list are my executive producers, Valerie Gooch, Joshua Rafe, Jess Heredia, Josh Wood, Chris Selda, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Jennifer Callahan, Ryan Pennington, and Corey Burns. You can sign up for my weekly Hey Amarillo email newsletter at bit.ly slash hey newsletter. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash hey newsletter. This has been episode 137. Feels like 137 since the whole pandemic started, but I think that's in the entire life of this podcast. Anyway, 
My name is Jason Boyette. Stay safe, stay home, and love your neighbor.